Hello, everybody. Welcome to Arsenal X, episode 95. I am one of your hosts, Corey Deergan. Alongside me, as always, is the wise Wisconsinite, Jesse Douglas. How's it going? Jesse, we have a few guests here. Very excited. Yeah. Got a full house. Uh, we have Josh Finney, the Demon Sour Cream, freshly shaven <laughs> after three freshly months. Shaven. First time in three months, uh, my face is cold. It's cold. <laughs> you live in Texas. How are you cold? My my face is cold, and that's my on the matter. <laughs> uh, also joining us from Xbox Expansion Pass, the Xbox podcast you can find everywhere, uh, is Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. Hey, what's up, man? Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah. lo- love your show. Love everything you're doing. Uh, I mean, I guess just remind everybody who you are and what you do and what, what your podcast is about. Obviously, oh, Xbox, sure. But... Uh, thanks. Yeah, it's the Xbox Expansion Pass available on all your podcast services. Uh, and it's an, a weekly analytical look at the Xbox Gamerverse and Xbox ecosystem. Uh, and we look at all game announcements kind of as they pertain to that ecosystem. So what does Stadia have to do with Xbox? What is PlayStation 5's announcement or Unreal Engine 5? What does that mean for, for Xbox? We look at a lot of that. Uh, it's a solo show hosted just by me. Uh, but I often have guests on the show to discuss their roles in the industry. Uh, most recently, Sissy Jones, a voice actor, was on. I've had people like Mike Bithel, a developer. Recently, uh, or tomorrow, the CEO of Playful Studios, uh, Paul Bettner, is going to be on the show. And he shares insight into working way back in the day on Age of Empires and Halo Wars and the ill-fated Halo MMO, all the way through to working at, at Playful and making the most recent Super Lucky's Tale games. So it's uh, often often features guests from around the industry, and I uh, would love it for people to check it out. Yeah, uh, definitely. There'll, there'll be links in the in the show description below to, you know, have our audience check out your show. Although I think a lot of our audience is, is similar. So, uh, but mm-hmm. anyways, if you don't listen to Expansion Pass, you should be, and there will be links in the show description. Uh, but I'm glad to have you guys on. This is this is going to be a yeah. a pretty good show, I think. Uh, not a lot of huge xbox news out there but there there is some and there's some uh some questions and everything so we've we've got a got a pretty decent show uh gonna get through some housekeeping real quick this is arsenal x the xbox podcast here on boss rush games each and every sunday night jesse and i as well as our friends from around the internet come together on twitch.tv slash boss rush games live and mixer to talk about the latest news, rumors, releases, and your questions. After the live show, join us live as we take a look at some of the games available to you on Game Pass. Uh, Tonight, we are playing some Bleeding Edge. Uh, So if you are listening to the audio, you can actually check it out on Wednesday nights on our YouTube page and on BossRushGames.com. Download our family of podcasts, including the Boss Rush Podcast and Nintendo Power Block, on your podcast services of choice. And please like, subscribe, rate, and review. Now, with that said, if we're going to get into some of these uh, news bits here. Uh, Saints Row the Third uh, recently came out on mm-hmm. uh, current gen platforms, and uh, a lot of people were upset that you could not run it at 60 frames a second. 
unless you have an Xbox One X. Uh, so there's some uh, articles from, from Windows Central. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to own an Xbox One X, you can take advantage uh, of a boost in frame rate uh, in today's release of Saints Row the Third Remastered. This has been confirmed by Windows Central, which notes that you can simply remove the frame rate lock in the display settings of the game. Uh, if you want to read the rest of the article on Pure Xbox, you can, but I, I just thought it was really interesting that uh, it seems the Xbox One X is the only one getting this unlocked frame rate. And, uh, you know, just to, to spur the conversation, we do have a question from Randall uh, Dredell. Uh, he asks, howdy Axers, uh, why do you think it's so difficult for studios who are remastering games to get them running at 60 FPS? I understand newer games and stuff like that, but why is it difficult for older titles? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are actually moving into that we want 60 frames a second standard across the board. Uh, mm -hmm. But what are your guys' thoughts on Saints Row? You have to unlock it through the Xbox One X. Um, well, I, I, I just recently, I did play it on my One X. I don't know if I actually even uh, <laughs> took the thing off to uh, unlock that yet, now that I think of it. Um, so I'll have to check into that, but, but I don't know, I, I guess, it, yeah, that is, it is kind of interesting. I mean, the game does, you know, look quite a bit better, but I, it still doesn't look like it, like it would be a game that, that you wouldn't be able to hit 60 frames. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, but, but is that in 4k though? Is that like 4K 60 frames? Uh, you, I, I. Th that's the thing. Is, yeah, that's the thing. I'm not a. It doesn't like if specify it's, if it's in this 4K, article. Then I can understand it. Why it's not. It doesn't say but, specifically in this article. Uh, okay. but it just has a, a frame rate unlock. Uh, but it okay. says the frame rate does dip to around 45 when there's a lot going on. Uh, okay. So I mean, yeah. you're not getting a clean 60, obviously, but yeah. At this point. You know, anything above 30 for me, especially in something like an like a heavy action game, is 60 needs to be the standard. You know, I've been playing a lot of Halo recently and running that at 60 frames. Uh, I've actually turned on the 120 hertz mode on my Xbox One X and running it at 1440p. And for some reason, everything just feels a lot better with that setting. So that's what I've been running all, the sh all my shooters on. Uh, Destiny can't really tell the difference because it's running at 30, but uh, although speaking of 60 on in Destiny side tangent, uh, since it's free to play on PC, I downloaded that and played it at 60 frames on PC, and it is a totally different experience than playing. It, ru it ruins you. It absolutely ruins you. Like yeah. if I if I start playing it on Xbox at 30, I'm fine. But if I play if I play it like in the morning on my PC at 60 and try to go back to my Xbox at 30 that night it just i can't yeah but, uh, but yeah that's why it's like i like you know like i know i know like there's talk of the 120 or whatever uh for the for the series x and all that but like honestly like i i've since i've experienced 4k i i really for me i want that 4k and i'm fine with 60 frames per second being being the you know the best at 4k like i'm perfectly fine with that i just i you know like because 
because like I was literally would play games switching back and forth from from the 14 even 1440p versus 4k like I still can tell such a difference in just the the way everything is pixelated and just looks you know like being on a monitor or whatever it just makes too much of a difference for me that I just I can't I I don't I don't think once I started with 4k I don't think I can go back anymore (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know but I don't get hung up on frame rates at all. Uh, that's yeah. one thing. Maybe, you know, it's like you guys are clearly able to lock in on that stuff. I don't mm-hmm. notice that until I notice that. And that's kind yeah. of the, yeah. the curse is, is uh, you know, I remember years ago when I got married, we took my our Xbox One S with me mm-hmm. and I yeah. played Gears 4 on my IS and then went back home and played on my X. And I'm like, oh, way different. But I would not have known it in the moment mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as far as. Saints Row specifically, like at this point, it's Saints Row 3. Like, I'm not worried about that experience. And that was the promise of the 1X when it first came to to pass is that it's going to be faster, more efficient. It's going to do better things for you. Um, Yeah. But again, that that just shows that, like, yes, the box is capable of doing that. But, you know, Microsoft is clearly focusing on that 60 frames a second experience across Mm -hmm. the board. But now yeah. it's like a company by company basis where like we don't even know if Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to run at 60 frames a second on the Series so, X. Yeah, I, I think that's the more interesting. I think that's the more interesting conversation to have there is yeah. when like I'm not concerned about it not being at a stable 60 frames on the One X because like Luke said, it's Saints Row 3. How many times have we seen this game yeah. come out? Like a 13 remaster. They're competing like, with Skyrim for amount of platforms. That's I, I'm yeah, not yeah. worried about. I, I don't think the like 1,500 people who are going to buy this game. Uh, that's obviously like an exaggeration. Like, I, I don't think the limited number of people who are going to go out and buy this game in a console release year are really concerned about that. Um, and yeah. that is a developer choice. Like, it is up to that developer and to that publishing house to decide. Okay, are we going to optimize this for this specific console? That was the promise of the One X and of the PS4 Pro. Able to do that. Like, we're going to have more stable frame rates. If it dips below thirty, then yeah, I'd be really concerned at that point because this is an older game. No excuse for that. Yeah. But when you have people like the director of Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming out and saying, oh, we don't, we're, we're going to guarantee that it'll run at 30 frames. No, you should definitely not be saying that out loud six months from release because that really does flagship next-gen game look great, especially when it's on new where both manufacturers are like, yeah, this this sucker, like 60, for, 60 FPS is like the, that is the standard output. Like it's up to developers to harness that. Like Microsoft is very clearly being like, it's on them. If it didn't run at this, it, it is not our fault. It is because they did not take advantage of the hardware. And that actually yeah. sets up a whole separate narrative of if it, Microsoft chose consciously with the One X to begin a narrative of we have and will have the most powerful console on the mm-hmm. one x it did not move units respect to that i love my one x i actually have two of them oddly enough right. um but that did not move units and the question will be can they push consumers uh casual consumers specifically to buy into the idea that the most powerful is best because right now the very weakest system on the market is selling two to one ratio numbers at this moment with the switch outpacing ps4 and xbox based on mpd of april Mm -hmm. and uh playstation outsold overall generation two to one despite both versions being weaker 
than the One S and the One X, respectively. So the power narrative is all proof in the pudding. And so they've set themselves up to to have to battle that mentality. And Valhalla, they, if I were Microsoft, I would be working with uh, with Ubisoft as much as possible with marketing deals. I'd be talking to the same thing with CD Projekt Red and saying, hey, we've got this power. What do we need to do to make sure that you show that on our system? Because they are on no impetus to do that. They should, I, if it were me, I'd make the, for the lowest common denominator, I'd make it efficient and make it work. And they now have to find a way to prove it most powerful means something. Whether it's 60, whether it's 30 or 120, which is capable of, they got to prove it and they got to make it worthwhile for people to do. And we've seen, I apologize for, for rambling, but I will make a point. They've, they've, we have seen with the backward compatibility program, with the Game Pass program, with the xCloud program, that Microsoft is willing to do the legwork for a lot of their initiatives and make it as easy as possible for developers. But making it worthwhile on power, that comes down to infrastructuring and coding, and that's different than loading into a server for xCloud or upgrading it into to a back compat uh, emulator. There's a lot right. of stuff that goes on and, there. And I, I would imagine that they're working pretty closely with Ubisoft and with CD Projekt Red, like you said. Like Those are their two flagship marketing deals for the fall mm -hmm. so far in Assassin's Creed and in Cyberpunk. Like we got a special cyberpunk console coming out for God's sake. And it was the first thing announced to be doing smart delivery, like outside of first party titles. So it, those are both going to have those pushes. And it's like, it comes down to, are these developers going to harness it? Like, I think you would simply just have to ask at that point. Like, these are clearly games that Microsoft wants to succeed. They want those to be synonymous with series X, with the one X to, be almost like some of these marketing deals you see like with Call of Duty. Like for so long that was synonymous with the Xbox brand. And now it's PlayStation. Destiny was PlayStation. Like a lot of people still think of that as a PlayStation console game. Um, and as we've seen, like that can affect, affect player populations when you get into multiplayer games. So with something like that, like arguably the biggest game of the year in CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk, you want all eyes on that, but you got to make damn sure that that looks amazing. Not only on the One X and One S, but on your team like pick this up this is the place to play it like it will look like it does on a pc it will run like it does on a pc that's a selling point. not here is assassin's creed running on an engine that we saw in odyssey and in origins and please god let it run at a stable 30 frames in 4k like here is cd project red's game of the year running at crisp 60 frames in 4k yeah when they when they said when they said that it was that it would run at a minimum of of 30 frames per second I was like the rest of this sentence better be at 8k <laughs> because that yeah. what yeah <laughs> why like, promising why me a stable 30 frames is something that's fine for like a massive shooter that has like 48 players in a match or something yeah. like if you came out at launch and promised me that battlefield 4 would run at a stable 30 frames i would have jumped for joy because that game clipped and was buggy as hell like even Dest like destiny can't even maintain a stable 30 frames when there's a lot going on on the screen yeah and that like bungie's been working with xbox tools for two decades now so mm -hmm. come on like it literally comes down to the developers no matter how much power you have in that box yeah, and one thing, and I don't know, like just kind of going back to the the question thing or whatever about the uh, Saints Row, like I I think someone else redid that too. Like, not that that's an excuse or anything, but like you know, part of me wonders if maybe just whoever ported it just like 
either something was was up where they just could not for whatever reason get it to be running you know properly or i don't know like i i you know because i i thought i seen a different name announced for the re, the port of that that someone else worked on it but yeah. i i could be wrong i don't know because i know I, but usually i feel like a lot of times people who do ports of games like that usually do an amazing job so yeah it's i don't know it's kind of weird it is give every of, remake the blue point that's the yeah. moral of the conversation here but yeah. I, I think it's the. I think the other thing is too, like with it being like open world, like I, I don't know if it's on the, something where on the back end the whole entire world's being loaded up at some point, and you know, and and so there's issues with like those kind of things. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that could probably be going on that need to just be fixed for it to to run at a better frame rate. But you know, that's the thing. I don't like. I mean, I love playing games, but that there's a lot. There's a there's a point that you get to where I have no idea what's going on to make that game that I'm playing happen the way it is, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. I I think I think the Xbox One X in particular has been a, a stepping stone to what you know. This is definitely the first step, and then the, whatever you know, next generation is going to be like what the, they're fully like realized. Uh, interpretation of what they wanted to do in the first place, you know, with, with Game Pass and first-party games and uh, Xbox Live and, and being able to run games the way that people, like, developers design them and everything. So I I, I have full faith in the Series X that it's going to be more what people expect out of what people kind of wanted out of the, the X and the PS4 Pro and, you know, for the most part got, but there's all obviously hiccups and not 4K 60 and not, uh, you know, s- steady frame rates and, and whatnot. But uh, we're going to move along here. Engadget uh, has reported that the original Xbox's uh, source code has leaked online. Uh, speaking of emulating uh, original Xbox games. The original Xbox <laughs> was a new frontier for modders and tinkerers as it included a hard drive that made it easier to install unofficial dashboards and pirated games. I know lots of people who have modded Xboxes. Um, mm-hmm. It was a cool thing, but I was always too afraid to take mine apart or you know try to load it up with stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was never. I was the same. I was never that I was guy. The the the, yeah, the, was... the furthest I got in emulating stuff was uh, putting the 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 Bleem disc in my Dreamcast and <laughs> you know trying to play PS One games on there. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, let's see that. Uh, enthusiasts might be getting a flashback to 2002 as the official Xbox OS has leaked online, according to The Verge. This includes Xbox dev kit, emulators, build uh, build environments, documentation, and the kernel itself. Uh, these kinds of leaks have often enabled developers to create unofficial fan projects such as emulators. However, The Verge notes that some of this data has been available within the homebrew scene for a while, so it's not clear how much of it will be a revelation to the Xbox modding and emulated community. Uh, we recently saw Nintendo's big leak uh, a few a few weeks ago with the Wii uh, and some DS files and N64 uh, uh, dev kits and stuff. So um, another side of the coin, leaks, leaks seem to be apparent. Uh, a, a very very commonplace these days, you know, between The Last of Us and Nintendo leak and now this. So, uh, I mean, I'm not sure. 
that it's too too much of a worry since I mean this will be four generations old this year. So, but I mean it's it's interesting to see people take the source code and maybe make a fan project or something. But what do you what do you guys mm-hmm. think about the leak and stuff? Uh, I mean, once it's been this long, I mean we're almost 20 years removed from it releasing we're 19 years oh, this november removed from the original xbox coming out that's um, so long dude yeah, yeah let, let that sink in everyone we're 19 years removed from halo one uh, i think that's when we started this... covid right that was when that hit yeah 19 years ago <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> luke's got jokes I uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal for the source code to come out this far after. Yeah. If anything, I think it's kind of cool because it, in a way, helps preserve history. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen what, especially in like the retro community, I know like there's they are up in arms about like some of these arcade games. Like there's literally only a couple cabinets left, and they're trying to get them and digitally upload them with emulators to preserve them forever. I think that's kind of cool for some of these games, like especially in more retro shops. Like there's just tons and tons of Xbox games. You can only play about 20, maybe 25 of those probably on your Xbox One and subsequently on your Series X. Like that's unless I want to play a Star Wars game, I can't play much. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of cool for a piece of history. Not that I'm endorsing, you know, modding or emulating or anything like that. I think it's a cool way to tinker with and preserve history, though. And, you know, if somebody wants to give me Battlefront 2 servers back, I will love you forever. <laughs> well, you don't like playing Battlefront 2 backwards compatible on your Xbox One uh, X by yourself? <laughs> no, it, sir, it is a One S. Thank you very much. Or it is the Xbox One VCR in my bedroom. Uh, I do not enjoy playing it by myself. It's fair. <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. Uh, you want to go out frame rate drops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know the interesting thing wow. about this code stuff is that when codes leak and we, we leaking has been something that we've seen happen pretty regularly for the past I would say two years. This leak, that leak, most recently yeah. being the Naughty Dog leak. Uh, how companies handle stuff like this, I think, says a lot about their approach to to managing security. One of the neat things about Microsoft is if you can hack their uh, various security states, they offer rewards if you can find faults and report them to them. There's like a $100,000 reward for various people that find security failings in their stuff. Uh, and that, to me, speaks to a, a bold level of confidence on a, on a parent company scale. But also, I mean, those exploitations for the Naughty Dog leak occurred through stuff all the way back as Uncharted 3. Mm-hmm. So... That, that tells you that a lot of this code, and I, I spoke with a developer about this recently, a lot of code st- sticks around for decades buried within various things. And uh, unless it's built completely from the ground up, you'll have stuff in there that, that's very old and thus open to exploitation. And so I dig the mentality that Microsoft has about you know defending that and rewarding people for finding exploits so they can seal it so something doesn't happen. Um, I don't know how I don't know if PlayStation or Sony do the same thing. I do know if you cross the big N, Mario will come for you and they will hunt you down. That <laughs> is one of the more you in a Yoshi a, get a question block underneath. <laughs> yeah, I mean they are they are intense, but it's it does say something, and I'm curious as to. Uh, how much of the original Xbox source code exists now in whatever platforms we we operate with our One S's, our, our One X's, or even the VCR editions? Yeah, yeah, you're dealing with the wrecking crew, Mario. If you uh, if you cross them, <laughs> they come after you with the hammer. <laughs> They'll send Mr. Dream out there to knock you out because yeah, they will. They don't want to deal with Mike Tyson anymore. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's I just I think it's fascinating that it, it just seems like all these leaks are happening at once, and it's just it's it's interesting. It's cool in one way and kind of maybe bad in another way, but it's just it's cool to to for the the preservation of original Xbox games specifically. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, like like Luke said, it's I mean. You know, and like it, in some cases, and it's inevitable. At, you know, over time, and and it's all about how you deal, how they deal with it, and you know, because I mean, there there's always going to be someone who's going to figure something out. Like, if you know, there's people that like literally spend like their entire life like just trying to do things, you know, screw around with things and figure things out like that because they look at it as, as a challenge, you know, like that's their video game is, yeah. is trying to hack into things and figure things out. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, eventually something's going to, and, you know, I, and I agree too with like the, just like preserving a lot of these old things is, is just such a, you know, a big deal to people who, you know, just have played, game since the beginning until now and it's just there's so many you know there were so many just neat things and stuff that you would hate to see just gone forever you know like arcade you know i mean that's why like the barcade things are becoming such a big deal now like everywhere they're popping back up again because like so many people now that were our age are like getting these small businesses and and trying to bring that stuff back you know like so people don't don't like completely get rid of it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Uh, speaking of coding, uh, we have our <laughs> kind of first confirmed Unreal Five Engine uh, Xbox uh, Game Studios title in uh, in Exile's next project. Uh, I think Phil Spencer did say that Hellblade is running on Unreal. Also, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's four or five, I'm I'm sure by the time that game comes out, it'll be on Unreal Five or some sort of uh, version of that so uh, but it's it's cool to see you know because a lot of people are associating that unreal 5 tech demo with the playstation 5 i know it was running on playstation 5 and it looked amazing uh it was i want to play that game by the way that they were playing that they were showing off but uh, i know that's not ever gonna happen but uh, it's nice to see that uh, in exile and, and xbox game studios are, are ready to embrace the next generation of unreal i'm 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 a thousand percent sure whatever the next Gears game is is going to be Unreal. Uh, so, uh, it, yeah, I just, a, a lot of Microsoft's internal games use Unreal Four. Yeah, and yeah. are being developed on them. Like even like Wasteland Three is being developed in Unreal Four, for example. Um, I would wager whatever the next Gears game is, because like Unreal Five is not coming to market until next fall. You mm-hmm. probably won't see games until next fall, maybe even beginning of 2022. Like for AAA games running on that. But one of the cool things that I think Epic brought up in their presentation and that Tim Sweeney was addressing is you can develop an Unreal 4 and it'll come forward into 5 when those tools are made available. So you're already hitting the ground running. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know if Hellblade will necessarily be running on that. That kind of depends on the timetable for that game. I'm still of the opinion it's probably a launch window title. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably see it in the first four to six months, considering it was at the reveal. That that. that tech demo we saw of it was rendered in engine in real time uh so we don't know how far along that is considering they've already teased the follow-up to that in project mara i'd imagine it's kind of soon 
but definitely I would say gear six is probably going to be one of the first flagship games to use that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like absolutely like this, this is going to be an internal engine. They're not going to sit there and use slip space for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll probably be restricted to more FPS, maybe tactical shooters. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but I can't see them using that for anything else. Uh, video games, Chronicle lists, uh, rare Ninja theory, the coalition, and playground games as working with uh, Unreal Engine Five, and, and and it says and more. So uh, I'd have to imagine that. Uh, ooh, bless you, bless you. They're they're paying a pretty hefty fee to license that engine. They definitely yeah. use it more internally than Sony does, to yeah. my knowledge. Yeah, but I think I think it's for me. I think it for some, like for me. If you, if you have a bunch of studios using the same engine, they they are going to be able to work. You know, if you, I mean, not that they, they're not all smart people, but if somebody has asset creation skills at one studio, they can, you know, be a, a support, a small support team for another studio if you need it, because you're all working with the same engine. And uh, it's why, I mean, it's EA's reasoning why everything uses uh, 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 Dice's engine. Uh, what's, God, what is Frostbite? It? Frostbite, thank you. Uh, but like, <laughs> I mean, not that that's a great example, but I mean, that was a reasoning why all these studios are using Frostbite so right. they can, uh, I remember that the helicopter speech where, oh, we could use a helicopter from this game, bless you, uh, in this game to <laughs> put in this game, we could have helicopters from Battlefield fly over the field and Madden and like, nobody cares. Uh, but that, that's <laughs> just like the one thing that, that sticks out. But Frostbite taught us uh, a couple lessons, particularly and most recently with Anthem in that if the team invested in making the game is not comfortable or does not feel the engine suits the game they want to make, then you could have potentially disastrous results during development. Now, Anthem came out fairly presentable. It just lacked a lot of the, the elements that you would want for an, a looter shooter in an end game. But the, the, the flying, the gameplay all felt great. But throughout development, it took multiple reboots to make Frostbite work for them. Unreal offers people a lot of approachable levels, and for them to be going from four to five and it upgrade the way it does mm-hmm. suggests that studios can go in right now with confidence and then feel good about moving and upgrading their stuff. It's more iterative, uh, seemingly, at this point, and that seems to be the philosophy for the entire gaming industry is that now you're going to have incremental upgrades that will offer systemic value on multiple points, mm-hmm. but they're easy to transition. Yeah. You know, you're taking your whole library with you from your Xbox One. Whatever's available, whether it's original, uh, 360, or Xbox One, is all going to travel with you. Engine work seems to be taking that same mentality going forward. And that builds efficiency and theoretically will cut down on frustration for developers. I would imagine when we get the deep dive on Slipspace, they offer something similar in that respect. Uh, and of course they'll make their game, that engine available to their internal studios. But what I like about Spencer's statements on it is that they're not mandating it. Mm-hmm. And not mandating means people have freedom. And freedom means mm-hmm. uh, more creativity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yeah, it's really which, good. Oh, go ahead, Jesse. Oh, I was going to say just, yeah, and which is what I, I really wish they would have did with Frostbite. Because, like, Frostbite is amazing when you're making battle, you know, like the Battlefield games, like... You know, I like I like I like the things that it can do for those games. I mean, Star but, Wars Battlefront. But, Star Wars Battlefront Two is one of the most amazing looking games on yeah. the Xbox, right? Like it's it's just it's such an amazing looking game. It's it's definitely using uh, uh, Frostbite to to their advantage, right? Like it's just yeah. 
it's amazing. Well, and that's kind of what I want to circle back to is I, I like what, what Luke was bringing up about how Phil Spencer's not mandating that slow space must yeah. be used internally. Like, that is an engine developed with a very specific type of game in mind. And I prefer to see it used as an internal tool for that. Like if, for example, the coalition decided or the initiative decides, hey, we want to use that and we can utilize that to the best of our abilities for a third-person action game or for a third-person third over-the-shoulder shooter, cool, that's available to them, but they're not going to mandate that they move away from these tools, like industry standard tools that people are becoming familiar with across platforms, across companies. EA's big mistake with Frostbite was trying to force Bioware, a company that has never used that and never needed to use Frostbite, quite frankly, mm -hmm. Trying to force them into using it, the game got rebooted multiple times. They had to bring back Casey Hudson. I think they kind of started learning that about halfway through, and were like, "Crap, this is a disaster." They have never forced Respawn to use that engine. Titanfall, Titanfall Two, Apex Legends, Jedi Fallen Order—none of them were made in there. I believe they were made with a modified version of the Unreal Engine, but uh, I don't want to—I don't want to come out and say that for certain. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, uh, but. It's like, holy crap, like this is completely different. And notice those games came out with, they were technically very proficient. Like they may have been lacking a little bit in content in Titanfall 1 as much as I love it, but they are the most stable EA games that have been released. Like that studio is four for four this generation. Mm -hmm. Let Putting charge of dice is the best thing you could have ever done in terms of, especially if you want to continue to promote Frostbite, he's going to sit there and say, okay, yeah, this is a game that needs to use it. This games probably don't need it battlefield go for it like it battlefield looks beautiful every single time focus it on that use all your resources there and i think that's one of the really cool things about it like ue5 being aligned with the playstation 5 like okay w whatever like we see marketing deals all the time like unreal for a while there it seemed like with ue3 was aligned with xbox so let's not forget like gears of war was born out of unreal tournament <laughs> uh -huh. so mm -hmm. like it's just it's it's like the call of duty license like it's gonna ping pong back and forth like yeah it's there the tools are there for anybody to use it's not a proprietary engine that is exclusive to a specific company or console manufacturer mm -hmm. epic is like pushing the industry forward in a way that i don't know if we were quite ready for this quickly uh, making their crossplay tools available, making UE5 forward compatible, like that. Those are huge steps for everybody. Like those are tools available to any developer, whether it's like Hello Games with a team of ten people or Bungie with five hundred people. Like it's it's there. Just yeah. utilize. It. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we did have a question. I think we pretty much answered it though. But uh, friend of the show Deshaun Malone writes in and says, "Do you think Unreal Engine Five will be a standard that Microsoft will f uh, follow during the next gen?" Uh, I mean, we kind of already said what studios are using it. Uh, like Luke said, Microsoft is offering their studios freedom to use what they need to to make uh, their vision come true, right? And, and mm -hmm. uh, just look at everything that, that's come out now and what's coming ahead. You know, it, it's the creative uh, vision that's coming out of some of these studios is, is just awesome to see. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I can't wait for Halo and Gears, obviously, but I'm really excited to see what the initiative is working on and what engine they're using and what, you know, the all fingers seem to be pointing at perfect dark for them for some reason, uh, which I would be excited for if they did a metal gear five take on that, uh, game. But, uh, that's, that's just me, I think. But, uh, and you know, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, put it past playground to be using that engine for fable either. Uh, mm -hmm. but we shall, we shall see, uh, but the last bit of news here, 
Uh, Phil Spencer is going to be a guest on Talking Games with Harold and Reggie, uh, the mm-hmm. podcast with, obviously, ex-Nintendo president uh, Reggie fils And uh, it's it's they're teasing that he might be talking about something that we don't know about yet. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, Yeah, because at the end of the first episode, like I had listened to it over on Friday and and uh, they kind of teased it a little bit and just said that he that he said that he's got a he's got um, a surprise for them or something. Now, I mean, that could mean a million different things. Yeah. But yeah. but just the fact that that like it what made me think that it, maybe we will get like a I don't think it would be a big announcement or anything like that if it was something along the lines of an announcement for Xbox. But just the fact that they do kind of say that he is there to talk with them, mm-hmm. but it sounds like he's also there to promote a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I, you know, I don't know what to think of it exactly. I don't, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up in any way. I'm just going to be just psyched to hear those two in the same podcast, honestly. Like, it's just going to be awesome hearing them two talk about games and, and and about business and all that stuff um the first episode though is really good because you really got to hear like reggie's uh like you know like his beginning story and stuff it was really good so yeah definitely if you haven't haven't uh checked that out yet definitely go check it out so yeah uh so i mean any, anybody else have any thoughts i mean we'll probably talk about it when he comes on and we'll talk about what he talks about next the next time we record a, a real episode right uh, yeah so. yeah Nah, I, I don't think there's too much else um you know reggie and phil we we've seen they're they're pretty comfortable with each other um mm-hmm. a, a lot of the execs like they don't obviously they're not buying into the whole console war thing that mm-hmm. a lot of the fanboys do it's very much like hey we're just we're just fans of games like we're fans of kick-ass games over here and for Phil to be kind of teasing that he might have something, I think it might just be along the lines of, yeah, by the way, this is the date that we're going to show the actual, like, we're going to actually have our Series mm-hmm. X presentation. Yeah. Like, now we already know the first party showcase is coming in July, like, but hey, this is the date in June that we're going to show you the box, give you the release date, uh, the price point, the features, things like that. Like, I could see him yeah. maybe teasing it there since he is friends with Reggie. And Harold is a great reporter, too. If you've never read his yeah. work, Harold's a really good reporter uh, on the industry. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't read too much past that personally. Like at this point, Phil Phil knows like he knows that he needs to have a better rollout plan than they had with the yeah. one. Um, mm-hmm. Don is not in control this time. Like Phil is very much allowed to handle the messaging. So uh, I think it should, should just be like a little friendly tease. Like oh yeah, hey, by the way, if you're listening to this, you, you might wanna you might wanna tune into to the Microsoft Twitch channel or in the mixer on June 9th. Like something like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like they've, yeah, Phil's definitely been out there, like, like doing doing such a good job with pushing stuff. Like he was on the, you know, like main like news. Uh, what was it? Uh, on MSNBC CNBC, or what? Yeah, CNBC. Yeah, like talking about stuff and you know, like really selling it to the the parents and stuff and letting them know about like all the. Uh, you know the child proofing and stuff like that that you can do and like and he you know, has like, to yeah yeah they, they've yeah. been that, that's literally in his job description yeah and, but they've been outsold two to one by yeah. PlayStation the Switch yeah. has outpaced them despite coming out years later for he has to talk about the parental stuff so that kids yeah. buy into it because yeah. that's been the key element that's missing for Xbox is 
yeah. the youth, is the yeah. youngins, the young people, and the fellow youths uh, just aren't in on that. So he's got to go out there and pitch it to to everybody, and he's he's legitimately doing a great job. You mentioned Don Matrick, what, seven years ago <laughs> this past week was the anniversary of when he shared news of the Xbox One, and my goodness, the turnaround they've had in seven years has been impressive. It's monumental. I mean, I, like oh yeah, We I, talk about it all ooh. the time. It takes... It, it, takes years to turn a, a, a massive cruise ship like that. And Phil Spencer, it could have either been a Titanic situation or a, uh, you know, a, just what, what it's become. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with the work that Phil Spencer and his team have done since, you know, backwards compatibility wasn't even supposed to be possible. Look at it. It's, <laughs> it's all there. Like everything you own, that's you know been licensed relicensed right has has come back uh now if they'll just relicense the x-men arcade game and the turtles arcade game we'd, we'd be we'd be all right but you know well, yeah I'm, i mean just just the, like the way he talks like you can tell that he's genuine like yeah. it's not yeah it's just like he's just him and and it's and that's what i love about it is it's you know you actually have a decent person who can relate or people can relate with that's that's talking about something in a way that everyone can understand it you know yeah and this uh uh we have a question on this on uh, from twitter from oh look at that edward varnell uh from the boss rush podcast writes in uh he he (laughs) says uh how how does a brand repair itself even after years uh that they are trying to do the right thing uh i mean i i think the Xbox has more than repaired their brand. Like I think they've become what people are looking at to move to in the future. Right. I think Sony's looking Mm -hmm. at them with PlayStation now, right. In terms of game pass and what they're offering uh, Mm -hmm. that way. And and I just, I think that Xbox is doing probably they've done the best job of going from being, you know, they've pulled a a Wii U to switch situation. I think, uh, they're, I mean, they're heading that direction uh, other than, you know, I, because look at the Wii U, like it did sell, right? And mm-hmm. now the Switch is a major hit. I think, you know, the, the Xbox One has sold a lot more than the Wii U, obviously, but uh, in terms of mindshare and how people feel about the Xbox brand, uh, I think a lot of people are excited for the Series X in general. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I think to complete the narrative of that comeback, like you said, I mean, when the Xbox one was announced, you know, never, for, I'll never forget the press conference of entertainment apps. Like it's more than just a gaming console. Like pe- I'm sorry, people don't want to hear that at your debut presentation. That's the kind of stuff you talk about leading up to launch. Like, Oh, oh the box also does this, by the way, I don't need to spend all this time on original TV shows that you're planning to make. I don't need to see the fish tech in call of duty ghosts. Like show, show me your exclusive game. Show me why I need to invest in this console. Like ab- abandoning indies after summer of arcade was such a huge deal during the 360 years. Um, you know, not having those first party titles really there at launch and ultimately the ouster of Matrick and Phil Harrison leading to Phil Spencer, kind of assuming the helm, like there was an immediate turnaround. X cloud, we know was being implemented internally as 
far back as five years ago, I think, at Gamescom. Mm-hmm. They teased that that's how Crackdown 3 was initially running. I remember um, Destin from IGN writing a piece on it and me being excited back then, like, oh my god, like Xbox is becoming more than just a box. It's like Series X is pretty much a better version of a Steam box in your living room. Like mm-hmm. Xbox isn't a box that we think of anymore. It's a service. It runs on my Windows 10. It runs on my iPhone. Like I can play Master Chief Collection right now while we're talking if I feel like it. That That's incredible. Like that is that's seeing into the future like that's something that i think when they came out and announced that like sony was probably going like a crap like you know how, how do you how do you count this wild success of game pass you know it was an okay service until they said hey first party titles day and date that's like that's what sealed it for me that i'm gonna sign up for this forever enjoy the first party lineup i'm gonna save money and explore indies that i normally wouldn't have the money for sign me up Mm-hmm. Like, check out some stuff that I... The turnaround's been incredible, and I think to really... off comes down to what happens in June and July this year. Really bring it home with that hardware reveal, and, man, reveal can't just be Halo and Forza. It's got to be, here's what every one of our studios is working on, even if it's just a tech demo, even if it's just a tease. You, you've got to drive that home. Like, mm-hmm. the four of us are... We're going to buy this box, but... Mm-hmm you have to convince the ones that aren't the Xbox diehards who aren't like, yeah, I'm going to own both, but like, this is the one where I do most of my gaming on. Like I play all my third parties on Xbox. I only have a PS4 for exclusives. I'm, I'm going to keep doing that on series X, hopefully, but it's going to be, where do they look the best? That's, that's where I want to go. You got to convince me your box is the best place to play. And how do you start that? Your services and your exclusives. Like you already got game pass. You already got Xbox live. Bring it mm-hmm. home now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like one of the things, too, that, you know, I think I think Xbox has over Sony still right now is just the fact that a lot of their Sony's things that they're kind of saying they're going to do to kind of, you know, like fire back at some of the things that Xbox are offering. They're kind of like all over the place with with the announcement or like you know like it's still one of those things that like i don't know if you you remember much of of the uh the the ps4 like uh, announcement launch stuff but like like i had went back and watched like the announcement thing and like when they were talking about like all the things that they were planning on doing and having for it and a lot of that stuff, the second that they blew past Xbox and didn't really have to try, they they didn't really do a lot of those things. And it was kind of funny that now my, Xbox, the you know, like as they've re resurfaced the brand and redid it, and you know, created the new Xbox, they're doing a bunch of those things that Sony was saying they were gonna do, and they never really for you know, like moved forward on as much as they claimed they were going to because they never really had to. Like, they were just, you know, they were going to be things that were just kind of, like, extra things that, that you know, people could could look forward to. But, so, like, you know, like, the thing is, like, right now is what, like, Microsoft, like, they just got to make sure that when they're making plan or, like, making plans or saying things that they're not, you know, like pull, trying to pull one over people, which I feel like they're not that that Microsoft really anymore or that Xbox anymore. But still, they're, those people that are mostly Sony fans are still going to be 
okay, well, let's let's see, let's see how things go, you know, and and I and I feel like I'm more that way right now with with Sony than I am with them, only because like. Sony's still, there's still a lot of announcing and things that Sony needs to do yet. You know, that Microsoft has already gotten out of the way. Yeah. I mean, and like, so I just need to hear more from Sony's side. And right now, Microsoft kind of has that over them right now. And they just need to make sure that they continue to be true to people. <clears throat> and in the end, you know, fill, you know, follow through with the things that they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, if they can do that, and for some reason Sony slips up, I feel like, like, with this, you know, this reviving of of the the name of you know of Xbox and people, you know, I see people constantly on Facebook, you know, posting that they're bought, bought the new Xbox, you know, the One X or whatever, and they're playing it, and you know, there's a lot of people who are buying that stuff late now and coming to it because it is such a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you just want to make sure you keep those people, though. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's really going to be the key moving yeah. forward here. Yeah. I mean, like you, like you said, sorry, I had to step away for a second. My uh, There's a ghost <laughs> playing with my uh, kid's kitchen and all the bells and whistles started going off. It was... It was awesome. So, uh, but I don't know if you mentioned this while I was away, but Jesse, we've discussed it before that Sony is still on two two big marketing cycles right now for Last of Us and in mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima, right? Like they still have two major PlayStation Four games uh, mm-hmm. that you know Xbox's first party for better or for worse is pretty much done on the Xbox One. You know they're they're looking to Halo, they're looking probably to Forza in the fall and, and, and so on. So, uh, but I, just to wrap this up, I, I think Xbox's brand is, is, I think a lot of people, uh, like what Xbox is doing and, and hopefully this continues on to next generation. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but we are going to wrap the show up with what we've been playing or as we like to call on the show, what's been in our arsenal. Uh, Luke, we're going to go to you yes. first. What are you, what are you playing? Uh, Two games uh, of note, uh, the first being Maneater and the second being Minecraft Dungeons. Which one do you want to hear about? Both. Let's hear about both. Let's hear about <laughs> Maneater first because that's a Yeah, I, w- I want to get that one. Strange. Okay. I got to get that one. Maneater is the game that you probably didn't know you needed in your life. All right, everybody just pull yourself a chair up to the fire and let me tell you about this little this little title here. So you start off as a as a... A uh, very powerful apex shark hu- uh, being hunted by uh, a shark hunter, and it's very documentary esque in the way that like Axemen or uh, you know there's like they're on like nature's channel shows where yeah, they're yeah. they're hunting down different creatures and they're doing yeah. like documentary type things. So it, it's got like a silly play on words, uh, like deadliest catch kind of thing, except it's yeah. shark hunters and he's hunting this shark. Well, he catches the shark, kills it. And pulls you out of it. It's actually your mother, and it pulls you out of your womb, or, uh, and it throws you into the bayou. And from there, as as baby shark, doo doo, you <laughs> swim around the bayou, upgrade yourself, and you're playing an RPG underwater where you get points for uh, killing different creatures, hunting down different people, uh, performing different types of attacks, discovering things. You swim all around this world. The world's open world, and you. 
you discover it, and you are being a shark. And you get all these insane upgrades. You get cool points as you slaughter people. You are How do you upgrade a shark? Well, you see, you begin <laughs> as a pup. And then you become a teen. Then you become an adult. And then you can upgrade your internal organs to have advanced sonar. And then you can oh, evolve. They call them evolutions. Evolve like a bone armor on yourself as you age. And it's wild. It's an insane idea that uh, they pull off pretty well. There's some camera issues, some control issues I'm having so far. But real talk, for 40 bucks, it's not a bad title. I would suggest you wait for a sale. And the moment you see that thing on thir- for 30 bucks or lower, snag it up. Because it's, a, it's a, just a darn good time playing around and swimming around as a shark, uh, hunting people on the beach and fighting shark arms. It's fun, and it's funny, and it knows what it is. It's very self-aware. Uh, I really dig it. If you if you imagine piloting an X-wing in Star Wars, except you're underwater, you're a shark. That's how you fly, that's how you move around. So the what world. you're it's, saying is this is a really good stress reliever. Yes, man. You have no idea. <laughs> Since pandemic started, I did not realize I needed to be a shark and eat up mm-hmm. to people. Um, but if they're gonna, if, hey, if they're gonna break social distancing norms and they're gonna gather together on the beach, I'm gonna do yeah. what I gotta do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're just, just helping them. That's right. That's some right. People, some people want to play as an, or as people in an animal world, and some people just want to play as animals in a yep. people's world. <laughs> yep. So I'm, I'm really enjoying Man Eater. That's a, a, a very good time, but I would recommend wait for sale, and when you do, you're going to have an absolute ball. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. So uh, also, tell us about Minecraft Dungeons. That's out Tuesday, I think, Yeah. Right? Yeah, so. yeah, okay, so that comes out Tuesday the 26th, um, and I needed to say that Microsoft provided a uh, review code, so take that, take anything I say with a grain of salt. But uh, I will tell you, I absolutely love Minecraft Dungeons. I've got a full review over on uh, Xbox Expansion Pass, um, but it is a joy to play. It's an action RPG reminiscent of something like Diablo. Uh, however, it's far more approachable initially because it does take on the Minecraft Minecraft aesthetic uh, and mm-hmm. also kind of the mentality in that you can pick it up, press A, and just have a ball with your family or a young child. Or uh, there exists a depth within this game that, that exists from stat boosts and item tracking and min-maxing different builds. It is there if you want it to be. And there's an end game loop with special enhanced abilities. One of my favorite things is to discover new weapons. Uh, one of the I went from a regular bow and arrow to a crossbow that suddenly the arrows ricocheted, fired two at a time, and had a chance for a poison cloud burst. I had a sword that did standard sword things, but then uh, I enchanted it with one of the upgrades that you can get, and suddenly uh, every few hits it was causing lightning to strike the enemies. Uh, it's really, really uh, approachable in that respect, but it's got a depth to it that I think a lot of people will find replayability and, and enjoy. You can have multiple difficulty settings, single or multiplayer. Uh, I found myself wearing early on. There's no classes, but the outfit you wear kind of takes that role, and you can flip it and, and adjust it any time. I found myself wearing uh, a a wolf armor, and then I ended up in a wizard's costume. At one point, I was a knight. I am ecstatic for this, and for twenty bucks across PlayStation Four, Xbox One, PC, and Switch, well worth it. And it's day and date into Game Pass. It's a game that's going to have legs, and you guys are going to to absolutely love it. I can't believe this game is only twenty bucks. Like that blows yeah, my mind. I know. I know. Like I, I think I'm actually going to buy, even though I have Game Pass. I'll have it on Game Pass 
but I think I'm going to buy a copy of it on my other Xbox under my my account name that my kids use just mm-hmm. so then that way they just will always have it and they can we can play it in the living room or whatever um You'll and be- I don't have to worry about online stuff if I ever need you know mm-hmm. or whatever so because I mean 20 bucks they're practically giving it away <laughs> and I think I think that's inherently by design because Microsoft yeah. is when they became stewards of Mojang and then they pushed Minecraft they got on every platform they continued to support it on every platform however mm-hmm. now specifically now uh Dungeons has the Xbox Game Studios logo popping up first. It's new, it's flashy, and it's catchy. And they've got Xbox Live popping up on people's switches whenever they boot up Minecraft. This will do the same thing again on more platforms and remind people that Xbox exists as a... As uh, we were saying earlier, not just as a box. It's no longer hardware-gated. Xbox exists as a platform for you to approach via xCloud, for you to approach via your PC, approach via Game Pass, or your actual Xbox. And if you're logging into Xbox Live to play cross-play with, with your friends, which you can only play cross-play with friends, and it's, it's, uh, there was a bit of a miscommunication about some people thinking it didn't have multiplayer, and that's not true. Um, it, it, it does, but... When every time you do that, you're logging in seeing Xbox in such an approachable game. The more this game proliferates, the more people will see Xbox in the background, and that stuff does matter. It mm-hmm. does matter, um, and I think it's a smart move, truth be told, because there's going to be DLC. I am away. They, we already know there's two confirmed DLCs, and I will tell you, gentlemen, I very much feel uh, in my time with it so far that I would have loved to be wearing some Master Chief armor or dressing up as Kratos or wearing a Mario or Luigi outfit because kinda, those exist in Minecraft proper. Yeah, it kind of surprises me that like it would be cool if somehow they integrated the the costume DLC from Minecraft proper into this game and ha- mm-hmm. like you said, like a Master Chief armor that would give you like extra armor or whatever. I, I, like I haven't played it yet, obviously, but like it seems like there could be some really cool things that you could do within the Minecraft universe by allowing mm-hmm. people to uh, have those costumes ready at the start. Well, I think Minecraft is such a good vehicle for a family-based dungeon crawler. Like, mm-hmm. ba- Baby's First Diablo, essentially, is mm-hmm. what I'm getting, but it's something that goes, like, far deeper than that. It's not like the Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee games. It's, like, this is something that'll be appealing to my buddy's eight-year-old son who just got his first Switch today for his birthday. Mm-hmm. I bought him Minecraft Dungeons. Like, it's ready, it is there ready for him to play when it unlocks on Tuesday. Good the kid idea. has been obsessed with Minecraft since he was, like, three. Like, this is the mm-hmm. greatest thing in the world to him. It's something him and his dad can But... At the same time, it's something that I'm going to find a lot of depth with with my buddies, and like mm-hmm. I've been craving a new Diablo style game. Like this is right up my alley. This will hold me until Ascent comes out. Like I'm so pumped for this. I actually almost want to buy it on my Switch and not play it on Game Pass. Like, this is the perfect kind of game mm-hmm. that I could see myself when I'm getting ready to go to bed. I, I'm sitting down. I'm kind of relaxing for a little bit. I always try to do a little bit of reading or I play an indie on my Switch. And mm-hmm. this is probably going to be, for lack of a better term, this is going to be my bedtime game. I, I will get in and I'll bust out like 20, 25 minutes of looting and then go to bed. Like, I'm very excited for this. I love that there's no classes. You saying that is the best thing that I could have ever heard. Uh, I've tried to stay away from anything that has not been shown at an E3 or at an inside Xbox presentation about this game. Mm-hmm. I'm just completely happy and with no expectations. Everything you just said is what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Great, man. I'm glad. I, I, I'm very happy to, to hear that. I think... Uh, and I hope I do it justice, and I hope you please, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I've you know I've been excited for you know like for for it since it kind of came out. You know my 
my oldest is is nine and so like you were saying you know like there's that depth of of uh things there that that he can kind of get introduced or he can get introduced to through this game um and you know like to learn kind of about those kind of mechanics and things that that he could preview you know like as he gets older and plays you know something like diablo or whatever that he'll then understand you know can can kind of learn to understand some of those things um yeah, my both of my kids, my daughter too. She's been she's been playing a lot of the uh, Power Rangers uh, fighting game. Like Battle lately, for the grid. Like, yeah. yeah, like she's like she's she's only six, but she's she's been playing it and like loving it. Like I don't know what what it is about that game, but she just absolutely loves it. And it's Power Rangers. My son, yeah, my nine my nine year old son's been playing online against people, and he's actually won a couple of times. And I'm just like. And you're you guys are gonna like surpass me because I already like I I used to be into fighting games when I was younger, but like now I just I I couldn't win to save my life. I uh, yeah, so it's you know like just it's a lot of fun and and I and I definitely look forward to this you know like playing this with them and and kind of like introducing them to this kind of genre of of game. So yeah. Because I, you know, like back in the day, I used to love like Command and Conquer and all that. Like all I would play is like Command and Conquer or on the Unreal tournaments and, you know, those kind of games as well. Like on PC, like all I would play was like Command and Conquer and stuff all the time. Uh, even on, a, um, I had it on console for a while. Dude, you need to play zero. Halo Wars too. The games. Yeah, I know. I love Halo Wars. I, I know. I, available I, on Xbox Game Pass. I know. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, plug anything here. But I did talk to the guy that in, you know made Halo Wars One. Yeah. Know, just throwing that out there. Halo Wars Two <laughs> is such a good game. I love that. I'm yeah. so Where excited. where can we oh. find that discussion? Oh, there. on the uh, Xbox Expansion Pass, available on all your podcast services. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is that is that all you've been playing, Luke? Uh, yeah, those are my two primaries. I wrapped up some Spider-Man f- PS4 DLC, uh, and I've been playing a lot of Ultimate Alliance 3 on my Switch, and I am looking forward to trying out uh, God of War and Days Gone. I'm using this summer to catch up on anything I didn't get exclusive-wise yeah. from any system this generation that I'm interested in. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. God of War is so good. I'm kind of... Oh I can't I can't wait. Well, I and I heard that I heard that uh, that Spider-Man, the Spider-Man uh, DLC was was pretty good. Did you did you end up really really enjoying that then? No, no, um, you didn't. But 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 not in a it's it's not in a it's bad a, way. Yeah, right. The game I platinum the main game when it first came out, and I had saved all the DLC till now. And the the DLC is more Spider Man, and that's mm-hmm. great. The story is pretty good. However, they up the difficulty on some stuff, and it, the oh, missions okay. get very padding and very tedious. So it's it's yeah. more Spider Man. Yeah. And they, clearly they saved a lot of their good stuff for what they're doing on Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Uh, but it it was too hard, to be perfectly blunt. Yeah. It was too hard. And I dropped it down to easy about halfway through and found myself yeah. enjoying it more. Um, yeah. But it does not affect your trophies. I went in and got every trophy for every yeah. DLC because i got nothing but time. Um, but it, it was it, – it's, it's post-game DLC and it's fun. And it's Spider-Man, yeah. but it's it's not – what I thought it would be after episode one, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be baller," and it, it turns out yeah. to just be all right. It's fine. 
Yeah. Well, and I, part of me wonders if it, you know, like they expected people to be going right into it. You know, it, it might even just be part of that. Like, you know, if you haven't played it in so long and then you're coming back to it and it's like none of that stuff is kind of like, you know, like in your mind of how you played True. the game. So, good it would point. Be, you know, so, very you know, point. that probably doesn't help either. That's a very good point. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, Josh, what, what are you what are you playing? Um, so I've actually been, I've been going back and doing a little bit of cleanup as well. Um, playing a lot of online games really, cause I focused pretty heavily on single player over the last year, but right now I'm uh, kind of jamming with some Forza Horizon four, which I never dove into too much when it first came out, despite loving three and putting probably about 80 hours into number three. So that, that's been really cool. Uh, just did the Halo challenge, the Halo racing challenge before I hopped on with y'all and kind of cool to have cortana narrating a warhog race with banshees shooting each other overhead should have uh, done more of that they should have done so it, much more of yeah that. if there was more of that um as much as i love horizon i would play i would pay for an entire halo based dlc in that game that Same. it's just incredible i love it yeah. give me that give, give me give me some of this wacky stuff give, give me a pelican race i, I don't care yeah. get it get as weird as you possibly can maybe we'll see some uh, of that halo infinite Man, oh, if I can fly an actual oh. pelican, yeah, in infinite. we 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 talked about we talked about this on on our episode that we pre-recorded. I said, you know, like, like, you know, what if I I said, you know, like we there's so many vehicles in the Halo world, and we really haven't gotten to do much flying of anything other than the small you know, little piddly things, you know, like when they say infinite and they talk about this open world, I was like, I want to like actually be flying like spaceships through space to places and like actually like doing stuff outside of, you know, like kind of like we've, we've seen and you see in some games where, you know, like this level is kind of like a, like one where you're doing something completely different that that the f- main parts of the game aren't exactly like you know like yeah, I mean Halo to Reach, do something that really changes it up yeah Reach yeah. has those Reach flying and um, four, four had four had a uh, space level four. there at the end where you're basically doing a mini Death Star run yeah yeah uh, which my my personal favorite level in Halo Four it kind of renewed the campaign for me because it's like oh my god like this is so uniquely different I'm not running a warthog again at the end of a at the end of a main Halo game I really like this um, yeah. the other game I've been playing that does not feature good vehicle combat or integration of any kind is of course Destiny Two um, what are you talking <laughs> I, about the sparrows are great uh, I, I, I don't know if anybody knows but. We we finally got one of my very favorite guns from Halo or Halo, <laughs> from Destiny One back in the game uh, this past week. The quest was bugged. The community is of course in an uproar. What else is new with a Bungie game? Wait, what what gun uh, do they bring back? I haven't been keeping. Bell Winner's Lie is back. Oh, the best no way. Destiny One is back. No way. Uh, Yes, so to give you an idea of how much this gun is being used in trial, again, it has a quarter of a million more kills than the next uh, most used gun right now. Like, it it accounts for, like, two million of the overall kills in trial so far this weekend, and we're on Sunday night. We still have a whole, like, 36 hours to go. It's nuts. It's bonkers. The quest was completely broken. 
Uh, they wanted you to do this absolutely atrocious public event that the whole season's been built around. Up the difficulty. It was pretty much impossible, so the community as a whole said, we're not doing it. Bump the difficulty down. Everybody goes and finishes it. We run thousand shotgun kills in the middle of the night between Sunday and Monday, and as each of us races to the moon bunker, it's bugged. You can't get into the bunker. Uh, you just automatically respawn all the way across the moon. You're like, oh, crap, come on. Like, the, Bungie and Broken Quest, name a more iconic duo. <laughs> it, it was kind of a tipping point for a community that has been kind of lost for the past eight or nine months, I would say. Like, I don't think the game's been necessarily bad, but I do think there's been some questionable choices with the shift to the seasonal model. Mm-hmm. And those, those issues are coming to a head. Like, they're having to tackle those head-on in uh, their weekly updates. They're having to att- attack different avenues of this. Like, there was concerns about Eververse, about microtransactions. Now they're going to sunset weapons. Like, people are pissed that these weapons they, that took weeks of grinding to get, in some cases, are going to be obsolete come the fall. Mm-hmm. But... The fact is, in a game like that, you have to power creep, and that's never been implemented in a game like that properly. Like, the Division has never handled power creeping very well. Yeah, Destiny has allowed you—you know, you can have a primary grenade launcher, and that's once you have it, that's all you're using for DPS. It is the best DPS weapon in the entire game if you get the mountaintop. But you can't make anything better than that or even anything kind of equal to that because nobody's going to take that off. And that's what they're trying to address. Really, there's like five or six weapons running rampant that they're like, we got to get rid of these, but we're going to sunset everything from the first two years. Yeah, It'll I still know be- five to six of the words yeah. that you have said so far. Don't worry, so, don't worry Josh. <laughs> I understand so everything. I, I'm getting really deep here. I understand <laughs> everything you're saying, Josh. As It's... Like th- this is my this is my ongoing game. This is my World of Warcraft. This is my gaming addiction. Uh, I, I've probably put between the two Destiny games over a thousand hours into this franchise across six years. Um, I like that doesn't sound like a lot compared to like streamers or people who like really really play this game. I think I put a thousand hours into Destiny One alone. <laughs> I put three hundred into Destiny One. I still felt like it was about 200 too many. Uh, as much as I love, like, I love, I love raiding in this community. I love playing trials. I like doing comp. I like doing all the end game stuff, but just like it, it's not reward. And I think that the conversation happening around that game, there is a point to everything I'm saying. I think the conversation <laughs> happening in and around that community is actually going to shape more than just that game. I think it's going to shape the future of games as a service over the next 12 to 18 months, really. It's the first game like that, I think, that has had a sustainable audience. Because I, I don't put Fortnite and Apex Legends in that. To me, those are true free-to-play games. When you buy something, you're only buying a skin. You're buying content packs. You're not buying expansions. You're not buying full-on like DLCs. You're buying a skin for a gun or an emote or a skin for your character. Mm-hmm. But with this, it's really the one that... Sure, Division 2, is. they just had basically their Taken King come out with Warlords of New York, which did not review that well, kind of bottomed out really fast. This is really the one that's been sustainable and is kind of trying to blaze that path forward, but it's an interesting story of trying to balance the develop what the developer wants to do with this franchise and their vision with what the community wants. And I think up until this past expansion with Shadowkeep, they've actually done a pretty good job of listening to the community and giving them what they want while still keeping with their vision. Now that they're independent of Activision, it's setting up kind of a showdown, a battle of the wills between your development team and your community, who are extremely vocal. 
and that going to proceed? How is that going to shape the future of your franchise? And like we've already seen, like, there may be hints that they're going to back off of some weapon sunsetting because there's such a big stink being made. We had that announcement like five days ago, and mm-hmm. everybody is losing already over yeah i was kind of like i was kind of bummed because like there, there's not enough assets there there's no destiny 3 we're gonna keep it as destiny 2 like it, i think it's such a fascinating conversation for a game that was paid and then free to play and we talk about predatory microtransactions this game has some of those but it's not on the level of an elder scrolls online like that you want to talk about microtransactions please go play a bethesda online game <laughs> uh, I, I just think that there, there's a really and I, I would urge you, if, even if you don't play the game, pay pretty close attention to what that conversation evolves into over the summer because I think it's going to affect how your Ubisofts, how your EAs, how they approach these games. I think it's going to affect the Anthem rework if that ever comes out. Uh, I think it'll affect an inevitable Division 3, uh, maybe Watch Dogs Legion. Like, these online interconnected games, I think everybody, all eyes are kind of on Bungie for better or worse right now. Like, how are they going to handle this and respond to their community while also executing their full creative storytelling and gameplay vision? So, all that's really long-winded to say, watch that game this summer because it's either involved into something really beautiful this fall or it's going to crash and burn spectacularly. Either way, I'm going down with the ship. I've invested enough time <laughs> and money into it. Yeah. Give me space to read <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not going to lie. I'm with you. I, I, as someone who recently just kind of was playing destiny this week and was like trying to, you know, I almost put the destiny sunsetting weapons story in our news, but I, I, I know you and I are the only two that really play a lot of destiny. So I was like, oh, it's probably not really worth talking about with people who don't really know destiny, but I'll put it to you this way. This is the first time in about 16 months that I have gone more than a month without putting probably about 10 hours a week into that game um really back off this season and it's the content just isn't there like i'll flat out admit it. i'm a, I'm a bungee stan it's not there uh they they gotta fix something they've already admitted they admitted back in january the seasonal model we implemented is not working it will not work we can't do anything about it right now we all we can do is fix the future we can fix what happens in the fall and for their sake, I hope that they do. Like, content needs to stick around, not just pop up for eight weeks and then disappear. Especially when it's kind of half baked. Like, I don't need to run this event more than three or four times. Like, give me reasons, give me lore reasons why I need to keep doing this. Give me more meaningful rewards. And I think that's kind of balancing with what people expect from MMO, like World of Warcraft or a dungeon crawler like Diablo. Like, they want that kind of loot in a shooter. And outside of Borderlands, we've never seen that. And even Borderlands loot is like. Okay, like I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't play a lot of Borderlands, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the same kind of experience as an online game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think there's it's a fascinating industry conversation that's happening. Um, the whole cross save debacle, moving to Steam, cheat, cheaters in online comp. It's it's all very fascinating to watch from an outside and insider perspective. Like, yeah, it's it just it is a spectacular dumpster fire of an experience right now, and there's no better. To go play a free to play game than right now. Yeah. Let's see what the dumpster mm-hmm. fire is about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is that all you've been? Yeah, kinda... that's, that, that's it. That, I promise that is it. That's my long way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we are running a, a tad long, but Jesse, uh, you playing anything fun, interesting? Any? Um, just just mostly uh, Saints Row. I you know played the remaster of Saints Row Three, and um, you know I'm enjoying it. So far, um, 
you know, like that, that still for me, like, you know, people love their GTAs and whatever their Assassin's Creed's and whatever. But like, for me, it's, it's always been Saints Row. The second that Saints Row was a thing, like I, I fell in love with that franchise. Now the first one, when it came out, it was pretty bare bones, but you know, like, a lot of the times those open worlds like that are when it's the first one of a franchise, you know, it's kind of the same with, uh, with, um, watchdogs. The first one, I mean, I liked it. Um, but I feel like there was a lot more things to do in the second one. And, and it was kind of the same with saints row. Um, personally, my, my, uh, saints row two is still my, my personal favorite, <clears throat> but but three is definitely an uh, amazing like step up in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, it. I mean, it's it's got that over the top like story stuff that I really really wanted, and uh, like you know, like as far as the storyline goes, I, I think three's storyline was was one of the better better uh, parts of the of the three. Yeah. Um, is really ultimately twos. Uh, the things that I liked better about two were more, more how they handled the um, side missions. Mm-hmm. Like they did, where like your side missions, if you finished all the side missions stuff, uh, in uh, like the little things that they had, you'd basically get the equivalent of what you would have usually been something you had to get by putting a code in to unlock, like unlimited ammo, you know, unlimited health, unlimited. So you like when you did the side missions, they gave you things like that that were worth doing the side missions for. You know, like mm-hmm. they made side missions worth something that you want to finish them all because you'll be just like unstoppable and just it'll then go from being a fun, you know, goofy game to being the most, you know, you can be the most powerful just do whatever fun you want in this open world and just, you know, have fun with it at that point. Yeah. So, so yeah, but it's, um, I, I just love the story though. And like I said, in three, it's just, it starts out great with the whole, like the bank robbery and, and it's, it's just a, it's a good game. So yeah, like I, if you're, if you're a fan of the saints row games and you really like three, They definitely, I feel like this definitely is a really, really nice looking version of, of that game. So cool. Cool. Uh, well, I guess I'll wrap things up with what I've been playing. I played a little bit of destiny. Uh, it's been a while since I've played it extensively. So, uh, it's uh, that game still feels amazing to play. Just shoot, like just the mechanics of the game just still feel really good. Even if, Mm -hmm. You know, every time I log in, the quest, <laughs> like the quest logs and stuff, are different. Although I do like the way the quest logs are set up this season. So, uh, but we already talked a lot about Destiny. So I've I've also been playing, trying to finish Control. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we I haven't played since since Friday, but I I'm about two thirds of the way through the game. Uh, I was really frustrated when I started playing it, and then as you progress and start unlocking moves and stuff to to move throughout the the world and stuff, it makes that game infinitely better once you get the evade move, once you get the, you know, some of the power-ups and, and uh, you know, even something as little as upgrading 
your health and your energy stuff makes the game infinitely better uh, mm-hmm. to where you're not always hiding. You could just keep moving and keep throwing stuff and, and shoot when you need to. And uh, Jesse, that that uh, tip you gave me to unlock the throwing the rockets back at people, you know, almost immediately mm-hmm. has just been a lifesaver. So many people mm-hmm. throwing rockets and grenades at you. It's just kind of like, man, it's really nice just to tap that right bumper to throw it right back at them. So, yeah. Uh, but I, <laughs> my nice. enjoyment of control has uh, escalated uh, since last week. So I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it now. I did think, I do still think a lot of the, there's a lot of difficulty spikes in that game uh, that <clears throat> are sometimes feel a little unfair. Uh, but at the same time, I, being able to move all the time instead of hiding because my health is low is has been a, a lifesaver. So, uh, yeah. Also, been playing a lot of Halo multiplayer, specifically Reach three and five <laughs> in the last few days. Uh, dude, I I still think Halo is one of the best feeling shooters out there. Uh, especially Halo Five still feels really fun to play. I know it's not as deep. As a lot of the shooters out there, I mean, mm-hmm. you could argue that there's no depth to the to the shooting at all, really. <laughs> you know, like uh, there's no Call of Duty progress to be made or anything. But uh, just jumping in to some social matches to get my feet wet has been fun, and jumping into the ranked matches, man, just it's fun to see people still playing Halo uh, and finding matches almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Still is. Mm-hmm. You know, I maintain Warzone is one of my favorite new multiplayer editions of the generation. See, I haven't. Um, even, it's I where haven't, Halo Five really shined. I haven't tried it yet. Like I, as much as Halo Five as I've played, I've never, never played Warzone. Uh huh. If there is still an active player base going for that in game mode, I highly, highly, highly recommend playing it. It's it's not it's a PvP VE mode. Yeah. Um. And it's it's fascinating to play. I, I really loved it. That's where the bulk of my time with Halo Five was spent a few years ago. Um, outside of Gambit, it's probably my favorite multiplayer edition of any game this this cycle. So yeah. definitely hope that returns an in infinite. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'll I'll try it out. I've been I've been itching to play a lot more Halo recently. Uh, mostly because it's a better Luke, firefight. <laughs> mostly because Luke was playing the the campaigns uh with with Bad Bit and like oh, I yeah. just I've just uh I was like, man, I really kind of want to play through these campaigns again. You guys really got me. And then you start ranking, you had that ranking uh mm-hmm. of yours. I'm like, I'm so glad somebody likes Halo 4 <laughs> as much as I do. Halo 4 is is the best Halo that has been made uh to date and in terms of uh, campaign, I, I might add, oh. I'm speaking strictly about campaigns. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you have to go back. Retro, like nostalgia is a painful drug. And when you allow yourself the reality of going back to replay them, you find that some things age wonderfully and some things uh, do not. And four and reach age wonderfully. The level designs in one and two are atrocious by modern standards. Despite our nostalgic uh, kick, you couldn't put a kid I, I in there mean, and say, We can pretend fun. that quarantine zone was not a thing. And if we do that, Halo 2 is not quite that bad. <laughs> well, it, it's not bad. It's just it doesn't des- it doesn't age well. And yeah. uh, Halo 3 definitely does not age well. Like, I, I defend 2 more than I will 3. 3 just oof. I would some, put of the, th- some of the decisions above, made there. I would put 3 above uh, 1 and 2. Yeah, really I would talk. too. 
Um, but five, we, five was an interesting one more than anything because it mechanically is the best of all of them and yet feels soulless. It lacks a yeah. halo soul to it and there's a lot to it that just doesn't feel or look like Halo, despite You're being right. beautiful. And you didn't like fighting Warden Eternal like five times at once? I think, you know, you, you joke, I think it touches on the fact that in the in Halo 4, the Prometheans were comfortably mixed with mm-hmm. a lot of Covenant-type enemies. And mm-hmm. in 5, it's all Prometheans. Now, without trying to, to derail too much, nah, screw it, I'll derail. If you've played <laughs> Halo <laughs> Wars 2, or if you've read any of the novels, which I know I'm a dork, uh, or comic novels. books. All novels they, over here. Yeah, okay, I just finished Oblivion. Real good. Um, uh, okay, okay. So I really... They've done a good job of setting themselves up to bring in other enemies apart from Prometheans, which, thank goodness, because Infinite, if it was more if it was more Prometheans, I'd be real sleepy and be like, uh, I don't know. So I'm excited Back to see to what... Back multiplayer! What, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to see what Banished has and, and, and uh, yeah, of course... Yeah, for sure, for sure. So sorry, Corey. I got excited. No, it's no. I, we're we're all hey, we're hey, all. That, that was very mild by uh, by my rant standards. So that's that's, yeah. good. that's and we're all we're all Halo fans here. Yeah, so I you know I love Halo Four. I I I will stand by that until you know Infinite proves me wrong. But uh, yeah, that's the, that's that's kind of all I've been playing. I I've returned to Assassin's Creed Odyssey again. I mean, I'm. I'm 27 hours into my replay, and I'm just now getting to Athens, so that should tell you uh, all the side crap I've been doing. Have uh, Have you ever finished Odyssey out of curiosity, Corey? No, I have a 70-hour save on on PlayStation that I never returned to. and uh, um, I probably put about 85, 90 hours into Odyssey before I beat the story mode because I'm notorious for running off and doing every single side quest that I get. Mm-hmm. I left an entire si- not side quest, side plot undone. Mm-hmm. There is an entire like tangent, tangent, not even touch mm-hmm. because I was just exhausted by the end, and that's why I never went and played. It ties into the the DLCs. I never touched those. 90 hours as Cassandra was enough for me. I, I just couldn't go back and do anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's, I think that's why I quit on PlayStation also is like, I, mm-hmm. I just, the, what I, I already take anxiety medication and that game like ramped it up to an 11 for me because the world is so massive and there's so many quests. There's faction battles going on. There are random mercenaries roaming. There's, there's too much to do. Like I, I couldn't, there is a handle lot. it at times like it was sensory overload at times for me especially for someone who doesn't like to fast travel places i like to walk everywhere oh that is gosh. the worst freaking game to walk yeah, across what are you the do- world in. what are you doing why are you doing I, that I to hate, yourself I, I, i'm a machocyst i hate myself I, apparently <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that uh, the, i i had started witcher witcher 3 and i got maybe about 10 minutes into it and then i started hearing because I had gotten it late, like right around the time everyone was talking about how long it took them to beat it. <laughs> and I literally, I never picked it up after that, and I sold when, it. <laughs> when Ray Williams told me that he put 300 hours in in his first playthrough, I immediately said, nope, and I have not touched it since. Yep, that's what's yeah, I, I that's refuse what's... to play any RPG that takes that much time out of my life. That's what scared me the first time I started playing The Witcher, was like, it was that long, and I was like, well... I... 
I got Destiny to play to four hours into. I can't be playing The Witcher. <laughs> so, but I, I don't think Fallout Four and Sky have had have that many hours on me. Like, I, that's that's something. Uh, <laughs> So I, I mean, I've been playing The Witcher on on Switch, and it's actually been a great experience over there. But uh, that's my bedtime game, actually. Josh talking about bedtime games. It's like <laughs> twenty or thirty minutes of The Witcher, and then I'm going to bed. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of all I've been playing. So that's gonna that's gonna do it for the show. If you want to have your question right on the show, you can email us at arsenalxpodcast at gmail or tweet at us at arsenalxpodcast. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Luke, for joining us. Uh, you can catch yeah. Arsenal X live on Mixer and Twitch on Boss Rush Games Twitch and Mixer channels, or head on over to bossrushgames.com slash subscribe to watch it there. Uh, Luke, remind everybody about Xbox Expansion Pass and where you can find it. Ha. Uh, I've said it too many times this show, and I apologize. Just, I mean, if you don't uh, want Xbox to. Expansion Pass. <laughs> it's uh, on all your podcast services. Feel free to check it out, guys. I mean the world. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost. Awesome, Josh. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have a fancy podcast to promote anymore. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter and find all of my rantings and ravings about the game industry and uh, about media in general over at at underscore Finn, and that's Finn with two N's. Awesome, awesome, uh, Jesse. Where can we find you? Can you? Find, <laughs> you can find me almost everywhere as Phantom NXS. And you can find me at I am Corian HD on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Corian HD on Mixer and Twitch. You can also find me on Nintendo Power Block, our Nintendo podcast, and on Boss, the Boss Rush podcast. You can find all of our content at BossRushGames.com. And subscribe to all of our shows and content at bossrushgames.com slash subscribe thank you luke thank you josh uh jesse thank you for being here always and uh remember a little late play games be better we're gonna throw up the x because we're exiting out goodbye everybody (laughs) see you next week bye